You're listening to the Brooks Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooks Snow. You have season two, episode 46, Empowering the True Self. Welcome to season two of the Brooks Snow Podcast. This season is breaking from tradition in an exciting way. After some lovely negotiation, I received permission from my publisher to publish the audio of my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature as podcast episodes. Right now, this is a tentative experiment and these episodes may not always be here. So I encourage you to listen while you can. My book is some of my best work. And while I do love my regular podcasts, they really are a random selection of topics. The book, however, moves progressively, continually building upon a theme and leading you through a process. Each week, I'll release the next chapter. If you like what you hear, please consider purchasing the book for yourself or someone you know who would really benefit from this message. You can pick up a hard copy or Kindle version on Amazon, and I'll provide the link for you to do that in the show notes of this episode. Today, you have chapter six, Empowering the True Self. Chapter six, Empowering the True Self, all about love. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 36-40 Can you imagine asking Jesus which of all the commandments was the greatest and most important. Imagine what it must have been like to stand in the crowd of disciples that day and hear this question posed. Surely we would await his response with alert attention, for there are so many commandments and teachings of how to live your life. To know which principle is the most important would simplify everything. You could ensure that you were, in the very least, doing what was most valuable and of top priority. You could focus on one thing, a list full of things would be much harder. How does Christ respond? Jesus beautifully synthesizes the entire gospel into one principle that will have the greatest impact upon your life. Love. First, to love God. Second, to love your neighbor as yourself. I find it interesting that this second commandment so inextricably connects both neighbor and oneself. He does not say, love your neighbor and love yourself. Rather, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The love we have for our neighbors and the love we have for ourselves are linked. They're bound, connected. There is not one without the other. The dictionary defines the word as to mean to the same degree or amount. In this symbiotic relationship, we must give equal love to both our neighbors and ourselves. How well do you love yourself? How well do you love your neighbor? For many, we do better at loving our neighbor, yet we are commanded to do both to the same degree. They are not separate. But how often do we separate ourselves from this equation? When you love yourself right where you are, Right in the middle of your development, your whole life changes. 
If you only remember one thing about your true identity, remember your true identity is love. You were made by love and for love so that you can give love. The false identity presents the polarity. The false identity is criticism. The most important thing you can ever do for yourself is to never, ever, ever be critical of yourself, ever. (laughs) If this is a habit for you, stop it immediately. If you can replace self-criticism with self-love, everything else in your life will work out. Love is the foundation of everything. When God reveals what two commandments are the greatest, we best listen. When God says that all other commandments hang upon these two, he has just revealed the secret to everything. What does it mean for all other commandments to hang upon these two? The 1828 Webster Dictionary defines hang as to depend, to rest on something for support. Everything else in life rests upon love for support. It's the foundation. And loving yourself is an inextricable part of that foundation. Without a foundation, you fall, you fail, you can't progress. Whatever goal you have in life, whatever desire or hope or dream you want to see come forth, it rests here. It cannot be built without a foundation. Do you want better relationships? Do you want to develop a skill or talent? Do you want to lose weight or get fit? Do you want better health? Do you want financial freedom? Do you want to overcome a weakness? Do you want freedom from any form of addiction? Do you want more joy and happiness? Working on these areas of development from a place of self-love will change everything about the process of growing. Just like the baby who happily keeps trying again in effort to learn to walk and talk, We must learn to deeply love ourselves in order to progress. The false identity is brimming with criticism and shame, making any effort to develop and improve feel discouraging and hard. The true identity is compassionate, forgiving, and tries again and again with peace and faith. You cannot afford to be self-critical. You must do all you can to truly love you. So how in the world do you reach a place of self-love? How do you get there? All starts with creation, the law of creation. As we learned earlier, the pattern of everything that you create in your life, both positive and negative, is see plus say plus feel leads to actions and results. Let's break down this equation. If you have a thought in your mind, say, the thought creates an image, see. The words and image together then create a feeling. How you feel influences your actions and actions bring results. The see, say, feel pattern is completely symbiotic. You can target any one of these three factors and influence the other two. The creator himself teaches this pattern we can find each element in the account of the creation of the world. See, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. Moses 3, 
5. The Lord creates all things spiritually before he creates them physically. How do you create something spiritually first? You must see it. Spiritual creation begins as a seed in the mind, as a simple thought or vision. That seed begins to grow as plans are made and details fill in the bigger picture. Think about the amount of detail God must have created spiritually before the physical creation. Think of the sun. He would have already planned exactly how hot it should be, what elements and chemicals it would be made of, exactly how far away it should be from each planet, and so much more. The spiritual creation is what guides the physical. God sees it first. We also create spiritually before we create physically. We build houses from blueprints. We draw a picture based on an image in our mind. We work on a goal with a picture in our head of what we hope to achieve. Spiritual creation always precedes the physical. We must see it. Say. What does God say in the creation process? Perhaps this is the most famous part of the story. Every detail of the creation account is prefaced by these words. And God said. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Genesis 1, 9. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Genesis 1, 26. God's word is power. What he says, he creates. The Apostle John details this further in his own commentary on the creation, saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 1 and 3. God speaks, and it is done. Likewise, the words we speak create. We will explore this in detail when I talk about using words of affirmation. Feel. Do the Lord's feelings play into the creation process? Absolutely. After each stage of creation, we learn how God feels about it. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Genesis 1, 3 through 4. He sees it. He says it. And he feels it. The feelings of God are so deeply rooted that they are part of his divine nature. Prophets for thousands of years have described God by describing his feelings. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. Psalm 117, 2. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Galatians 5.22 The Apostle Peter describes how we too can develop the same attributes in God's divine nature. He says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge, 
and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8. To know God, as Peter tells us, we must cultivate the feelings of God. And how do we cultivate feelings? Through the way we see and what we say. You are a creator. Truly, the Lord is our exemplar in creating. He has shown us his own pattern, so we too may create all that is good. This seems so simple. Just choose your thoughts, choose your words, and choose your feelings. And then you're set on the perfect path. Yet this world is one of opposition. We are enticed regularly by both the good and the evil. Additionally, we are creatures of habit. The way we see and what we say have long been practiced, even when we are not consciously thinking about it. The law of creation holds the power you have to intentionally create your life. When you understand that you are not a victim to your circumstances, you take back your power and begin to create your life in the way you truly desire. If you desire to create a loving relationship with yourself, you must change the way you see yourself and what you say about yourself. This will change your feelings and ultimately your actions and results. You are a creator. You must also become a better one. Let's begin with choosing the best words you can to create your life. Empowerment tool number one, affirmations. God did not create the world by accident or on autopilot. Yet, do we ever create on autopilot? If we don't create on purpose, intentionally feeding your mind with good, the false identity will do it for you. If you want to change your feelings, you need only change what you say and see. Affirmations automatically trigger both. Louise Hay stated, an affirmation opens the door. It's a beginning point on the path to change. In essence, you're saying to your subconscious mind, I am taking responsibility. I am aware that there is something I can do to change. When I talk about doing affirmations, I mean consciously choosing words that will either help eliminate something from your life or help create something new in your life. Close quote. I will define an affirmation simply as an I am statement. Affirmations can be positive or negative. It all depends on what words follow I am. You use affirmations every day in your mind and in conversation. Most people use it for negative and are completely unaware that they're even using affirmations. After this chapter, you're going to hear affirmations all over the place. I'm so dumb. I'm such a slacker. I am stressed. I'm such a bad mom. Sometimes we say these things in jest to joke around. And sometimes we don't say them out loud. We say them silently. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I am ugly. I am nothing. I am poor. I am lazy. I am procrastinating. The words I hear people say about themselves can be absolutely shocking. 
After practicing affirmative language for the past few years, I have become so utterly sensitive to the power of words that I find myself aching inside when people unknowingly cut themselves down, even under the guise of being honest or vulnerable. Words create. If we consistently use negative affirmations, we will continue to create the negative. Even something as simply small as regularly declaring, I am stressed out, is a surefire way to stay stuck. When we confront negative feelings, it is important to differentiate between these feelings and our identities. We can be so quick to use I am statements to describe our feelings that we risk confusing our feelings with our identity. I have had to correct myself many times to rephrase a statement from I am to I feel. Changing I am stressed out to I feel stressed out realigns my sense of self and keeps me in control of my life. I am now enabled to act for myself and not be acted upon. I am not a victim. I may feel a particular feeling, but I am not that feeling. And I retain the power to change how I feel. Changing your language to the positive does not mean that you're ignoring reality. You're simply aiming to create a better reality. Words create. Continue to use negative words and affirmations and you will continue to stay stuck. If you want a change, then you must start talking differently. Why affirmations hold power. Don't be fooled into thinking affirmations are a hokey feel-good tool. Affirmations hold enormous creative power for two deeply important reasons. Number one, it is a setup statement that instantly creates an image in your mind. If I say, I am overwhelmed, how does that affect the image of myself in my head? I see a picture of myself being overwhelmed. I see myself not being able to handle the responsibilities and deadlines in my life. If I say, I am so stupid, I instantly see an image of myself not being able to solve problems and of me failing in my choices. I am statements are descriptions of an image, C plus say. With both these elements triggered, the way we feel is an immediate match. Affirmations trigger all three creation elements instantly. Whoa, <laughs> yes indeed. Use with great care. Number two, I am statements are sacred words. There are many names for God in the scriptures. One of the less commonly spoken names is the name I am. God told Moses to tell his people that I am hath sent me unto you. Exodus 3.14 I am is a name of God and it holds sacred creative power. Whatever words follow I am immediately create an image. And what we say influences what we see, and what we see and say influences what we feel. Feelings bring actions, and actions bring results. A domino effect has quickly been set in motion for creation. I am sure you've heard of using affirmations in the positive. I am smart. I am beautiful. I am succeeding. Saying these type of statements when you don't believe them or feel them can feel kind of silly. 
The number one complaint I hear from people regarding affirmations is, I feel like I'm lying. When you understand the sacred creative power within an affirmation, you begin to see I am statements are not boastful or prideful. They are creative statements. You say them so you can create them. It is the first step, not the last step. I love to use this tool with my kids. If they're feeling scared about something, I invite them to use affirmations to change their thoughts and feelings. I am safe. I am protected. I am peaceful. I am happy. My kids certainly don't feel that way in the beginning, which is why we use the statements to create something different. The words create new images, which bring new feelings. If I feel worried or nervous about an upcoming event, I use affirmations to change those feelings. Remember, those negative emotions exist because I have a negative image. Perhaps I've envisioned a worst case scenario. If I want to change my feelings, I must change what I see and say. Affirmations instantly trigger all three factors in the equation, which is why it is one of my favorite tools for creating. I have even used affirmations when my alarm goes off early in the morning. I am tired, maybe the initial affirmation that comes to mind. If I allow this affirmation to persist, I will not get up. Instead, even if I do feel tired initially, I change my words and image so I can change my actions. I am rested. I am getting up. I am excited about my morning routine. I am going to have an amazing day. You'd be surprised what repeating those affirmations over and over can do, even in a warm bed at 5.45 a.m. Affirmations create. Journal questions. Think about something in your life right now that is not what you want it to be. Perhaps it is a relationship, goal, or trial. Identify the three creation elements in this experience. Number one, what image do you see in your mind when you think of this? Number two, what words do you use to describe this situation? How do these words make you feel? Three, are you ready to turn it around and change what you see and say so you can feel different? Prepare for magic. Creating affirmations, discovering your words. Yehuda Berg said, words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively using words of despair. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. Close quote. Affirmations are powerful. So how do you create affirmations specific to your own needs? Select one thing in your life that doesn't feel good. Write down the negative affirmations you have been saying that have created your feelings. This serves as a release tool of writing out the negative thoughts, as well as a framework for creating positive affirmations in the next step. Choosing new words. Look to your list of negative affirmations and write two positive affirmations. Think of I am statements which embody a completely healed situation. Consider using attributes, feelings, actions, and details that lead to the transformation required for you. If I'm struggling with my body image, I may have the negative affirmation of I am fat. After I identify my negative affirmation, I can create positive affirmations to counter the negative 
and create a supportive body image. I love my body. I am grateful for my body. I am taking care of my body. I am healthy. I am fit. I am making healthy food choices. I am excited about exercise. These words create a new, powerful image of how I see myself in this area of development. This exercise is exceptionally revealing to the influence negative affirmations are having upon your experience. Happily, even just the process of writing out new positive affirmations will instantly shift those negative feelings to something much more positive. You may become a believer simply from this step alone. Imagine what can happen if you read and say your list often. To truly believe something new, you must train your mind with new thoughts and beliefs. It will take time. Your mind is very practiced with the old ones. Place your list in a prominent place where you can see it often and say them with conviction every day. Remember, saying it creates it. Included in this chapter is a collection of positive affirmations by Louise Hay to help you get started. Empowerment tool number two, mantra meditation. Loving yourself is the foundation of everything in your life. If you have sincere love for yourself, speak with kindness and exercise compassion, grace, and quick forgiveness. I promise that your entire life will dramatically transform. Why? Because when you love yourself, you make different choices. When you love yourself and quickly receive grace, you are empowered to do the same for others. This is such an incredibly beautiful place to live your life from. Getting to know this place and maintaining this place requires consistent effort. It requires clearing tools to get rid of the false identity, and it requires empowerment tools that empower the true identity. Mantra meditation. The second empowerment tool is mantra meditation. Majaya Sati Bhagavati stated, quiet the mind and the soul will speak. If you don't have experience with meditation, let me assure you that this particular meditation is quick and easy. Mantra meditation is meditating upon a single word or phrase that you repeat over and over again in your mind. This is similar to an affirmation, only experienced from a place of quiet stillness. Here's the mantra I want you to repeat to yourself. I love and accept you. State your name. Now it's important to state your name. Here's how to put it into practice. First, sit comfortably with a straight back in a quiet place. Second, close your eyes, put your hands over your heart or rest them comfortably, palms up in your lap. Third, begin with three deep inhales and exhales through the nose to relax your body and center your mind. Fourth, repeat the mantra out loud or silently in your mind on each slow inhale and exhale for five minutes. That's it. You're done. <laughs> five minutes is not long, though. If you've never done something like this before, it may feel that way at first. You can set a timer on your phone or download a meditation app that will do an easy countdown for you. Truthfully, even one minute is better than nothing though I personally love what happens when extending it to five. It seems to be the perfect amount of time to move past that stage of using the mantra like a tool and to transition into a place where I actually feel the mantra taking effect inside of me. This meditation is powerful, especially over time. 
At the time of this writing, I have done this meditation nearly every day for more than a year. Never more than five minutes, some days for only one. Because this is part of my daily practice, I often find myself pulling this mantra out at all times a day. I am a different person today than the person of a year ago because of this mantra. Other than breathing, it is the absolute fastest way I have found to immediately connect to my true self. There are many other uses for this mantra. (laughs) I use this mantra throughout my day in the following scenarios and instantly my feelings of being less vanish. It is a magic mantra. It's powerful and fast. If you practice this mantra regularly, you will find that you automatically repeat it in your mind throughout the day when you need it. When you have thoughts of comparison, state the mantra. When someone disappoints you, state the mantra. When someone says something mean, state the mantra. When someone makes you feel like a failure, when you feel embarrassed, when you feel angry, when you feel overwhelmed and totally stressed out, when you're scared and afraid, when you feel like you're not enough, state the mantra. You can more or less apply this mantra to any setting in your life and it will always help. Our negative emotions are most often rooted in the need to feel love and belonging, which is why this works even in situations that seem unrelated. It all comes back to love as your foundation. Is it any wonder that Jesus taught love as the greatest commandment? and promised that all else would fall into place if we followed this principle first. It is an eternal truth. It never fails, ever. Love requires consistent work and effort. Just like a seed, it must be cared for and nurtured. If you will dedicate even a few minutes a day, I promise you this is enough to change your life. How could five minutes truly change your life? It's all about the compound effect. The compound effect. In his book, The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy says, the compound effect is the principle of reaping huge rewards from a series of small, smart choices. What's most interesting about this process to me is that even though the results are massive, the steps in the moment don't feel significant. Whether you're using this strategy for improving your health, relationships, finances, or anything else for that matter, the changes are so subtle, they're almost imperceptible. These small changes offer little or no immediate result. No big win, no obvious I told you so payoff, so why bother? Most people get tripped up by the simplicity of the compound effect. What they don't realize is that these small, seemingly insignificant steps completed consistently over time, will create a radical difference, close quote. So let's look at a fascinating example of the compound effect in action. Darren describes it using the story of the magic penny. If you were given a choice between taking 3 million in cash this very instant and a single penny that doubles in value every day for 31 days, which would you choose? Let's say you take the cold, hard cash and your friend goes the penny route. On day five, your friend has 16 cents. You, however, 3 million. On day 10, it's $5.12 versus your big bucks. After 20 full days with only 11 days left, your friend has only $5,243. 
how is she feeling about herself at this point? Then the invisible magic of the compound effect starts to become visible. The small mathematical growth improvement each day makes the compounded penny worth $10,737,418.24 on day 31. More than three times your three million. Very few things are as impressive as the magic of compounding pennies. Amazingly, this force is equally powerful in every area of your life. Close quote. The clearing tools and empowerment tools that I have introduced in this book, they are magic pennies. Let's refresh our memories by listing these tools. Clearing tools. Number one, little black notebook. Two, write and burn. Three, look somewhere new. Four, get grounded in nature. Five, become the observer. Six, deep breathing. Seven, move your body. Eight, emotional freedom technique. Nine, forgiveness. 10, the redeeming and enabling power of Jesus Christ. 11, call upon God and command Satan to depart. Empowerment tools. Number one, affirmations. Two, mantra meditation. Three, grace, found in chapter seven. Four, nurturing rituals, found in chapter seven. Five, the artist date, found in chapter seven. Six, social media boundaries, found in chapter eight. Seven, surround yourself with good influence, found in chapter eight. Eight, vision journal, found in chapter nine. Nine, see freedom, found in chapter nine. 10, fast forgiveness, found in chapter 11. These tools are all small and simple. Don't take much time and they may seem insignificant in the moment. But if you consistently spend even a few minutes a day with a favorite tool, after 31 days, you will see an amazing difference in your life. Press onward for two, three, four, five, six months, and the compound effect will become even more dramatic. When I told you that I looked back on the last year of doing a single five-minute meditation and how it has completely changed me, you can see how this change could happen. I want this to happen for you too. I invite you to commit to your choice of a clearing tool and an empowerment tool for at least 31 days. Choose to believe in the power they hold. After all, by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Alma 37.6 Life in your true identity is peaceful, calm, and full of light, hope, and love. You were designed to live life from this place. These tools will help you do just that. They help you put off the false identity and live in your true identity. You can do this. As you do, you will shine and give others permission to do the same. This is the true you. I hope you enjoyed chapter six, empowering the true self from my book, living in your true identity, discover, embrace, and develop your own divine nature. If you feel ready to explore the ideas found in this chapter on a more personal level, I invite you to take my Christian meditation 40 day challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day and my number one way to help me live in my true self. The I love and accept you mantra that I introduced in this chapter is a mantra we focus on for the course. 
and committing to a challenge is a fantastic way to see the power this practice can have in your own life. But the key is consistency. Starting a new habit, and even more so being consistent, can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass, allowing you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes or find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. You are worthy. You are whole. I am cheering you on.